Welcome to the Kumbaya Podcast, the whole woman's resource. Are you interested in being your best self, feeling truly healthy and alive? To do this, we want to consider all of our needs, mental, emotional, physical, nutritional, financial, creative, and spiritual. This podcast is designed to uncover all the amazing resources we have available to help us. Join me, Dr. Amanda Shipley, a pelvic physical therapist who would love to help you prevent issues before they arise and support you along your holistic health journey. Visit me at kumbayallpodcast.com if you want to check out the show notes for this episode. We will also have links to any resources mentioned during this conversation. I hope you enjoy. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Whitney. I'd love for you to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into doing this work that you do. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm Whitney Miley Price. My work in the world is in fertility awareness and holistic reproductive health education. And I'm sure we'll get into the nitty gritty of exactly what it is that I do. Um, But the short version is that I teach people to chart their menstrual cycles with fertility awareness-based methods to meet their reproductive health goals, whether that's avoiding pregnancy, achieving one, tracking hormonal health, or other things. And I got into this work through my own personal experience with birth control and wanting a better, safer alternative to hormonal contraception. I used hormonal forms of birth control on and off for many years, starting in my teens into my early 20s, and experienced a variety of undesired side effects. Um, And finally, my last hurrah with hormonal birth control was a year with the Mirena IUD, which was a really tough year for me that surfaced all kinds of um, health conditions that became chronic and systemic that I thought were related to the Mirena IUD, but I saw many doctors and specialists who said, oh, there's no way that these gut health things you're experiencing and these mental health things that you're experiencing are related to this hormonal device. Um, But I had it removed and symptoms disappeared overnight. And what were Um, those symptoms? So with the gut health, um, I was never actually diagnosed with anything specifically, um, but I had symptoms of IBS, essentially. Um, I also had blood in my stool for a year and saw a specialist and they they couldn't figure out what was happening. Um, With mental health, I started having um, high levels of anxiety, which I had never experienced before in my life. Um, I had dizzy spells, fainted several times, migraines, so just a lot going on. And you know, I can't specifically say that it was the Mirena IUD that caused these things, um, but it was certainly part of the equation and how it impacted my hormonal health and that um, bled into these other systems. Um, I didn't have the education and knowledge that I have now, so I didn't have the tools to put that all together and advocate for the care that I needed. But when I had the IUD removed, it was this instant relief from all of these conditions I had been experiencing for a year, like literally gone overnight and I didn't need more medical attention. (laughs) Um, So I became a, you know, fierce advocate through my own experience of having access to better 
um, education and knowledge on hormonal health and alternatives to hormonal birth control. So it was through my research of what am I going to do now that I've broken up with hormonal birth control? How am I going to prevent pregnancy? Because I wasn't ready to start a family yet. And I found uh, fertility awareness through that um, and began charting my cycles with a specific method um, that I've been doing for nearly nine years now. I successfully avoided pregnancy, achieved one, used it for many use cases in my life. Um, So that led me to pursuing my certification to formally be able to teach these methods to others who are interested. Yeah, that's amazing. So what is FAM? So FAM is short for the Fertility Awareness Method, um, which is a daily practice of observing your primary fertility signs so that you can identify the days in your cycle in which you're fertile and which you're not, and then apply a set of guidelines to meet your goals, whether that's to avoid a pregnancy, achieve one, or just to more deeply understand your hormonal health through the lens of your cycle health. Um, So there are dozens of fertility awareness-based methods out there. Um, The fertility awareness method is one of them. Specifically, it's a symptothermal method. So symptothermal will break that down. Symto is referring to the symptom of your fertility, which are secretions that come from the glands and the cervix. The cervix is the bottom portion of the uterus that extends into the Um, the top of the vaginal canal. And so there are glands lining that organ um, that secrete mucus in response to changing levels of hormones, estrogen and progesterone throughout the menstrual cycle. And so we are tuning in to those daily secretions, both how they feel in our vulva and what we see in our underwear or on toilet paper when we wipe. Some methods even require touching that mucus to get familiar with it and to better understand the qualities of it. But it's these changes in our cervical mucus secretions and patterns that give us the information of what's happening with our hormones and if we're in a phase of fertility or infertility in a cycle. The thermal part of the symptothermal is referring to our basal body temperature. You'll see that abbreviated as BBT. And so this is our core resting body temperature that we can collect first thing in the morning upon waking by orally or vaginally temping. Um, When we put that information on a chart and create a graph with that, we can very clearly see um, this thermal shift that happens in the body after ovulation has occurred in a cycle. So putting it all together, it's our symptoms of fertility, our cervical mucus secretions that open the fertile phase of our cycle and tell us that we are potentially fertile. And it's the shift in our basal body temperature that gives us the information to confidently close our fertile window. Excellent. And so this may be a really simple and silly question, but obviously oral, you're, you're taking the temperature with your mouth. Would you, could you use that kind of thermometer to do it vaginally or how would you take your temperature vaginally? Yeah, you can use an oral thermometer vaginally as well. Um, the key to success with a symptothermal method practice is that it has to be a very, um, it doesn't have to be a super fancy, expensive thermometer, but it needs to be more sensitive than a quick read fever thermometer. Mm. Um, So a quick read read fever thermometer that collects your temperature in 30 seconds, all that's doing is it's telling you after 30 seconds, the highest temperature it reached. So for this method and this practice, we need something more specific. So there are BBT thermometers, basal body um, thermometers that you can use that are more sensitive and more accurate. 
Okay. So you could just, okay, you could get one of those particularly, and then is it like you hold it for two minutes or something or what, how long? Yeah. So different methods require a different period of time. Um, What I typically recommend for people is three minutes of temperature taking. And so that might involve pre-warming your thermometer, putting it in, leaving it under the tongue or in the vagina if you're temping vaginally Mm -hmm. for three minutes before turning it on. And again, this just allows the thermometer to get up to your core body temperature um, rather than just spitting out the highest number it reached within a, a certain amount of time, the timer on the thermometer. Yeah, that makes sense. I really like what you kind of said as far as um, some of the benefits, like how we could use this, but let's dive into that a little bit more. So who would be a good fit for uh, FAM, if we can call it that? And I'd like you to discuss a little bit about what are the benefits? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we've already... Uh, dove a good bit into some of those use cases and a little bit about what the practice actually looks like. So backing it up a little bit. Um, Anyone who has a menstrual cycle or anyone who has the capacity to menstruate can chart their cycles with the fertility awareness-based method. So there's a lot of misconceptions that these methods are only useful Um, or effective even for people who have regular predictable menstrual cycles. So anyone who's cycling can learn to chart. It won't necessarily be the best form of birth control for anyone. But what I love about fertility awareness-based methods is that they're giving you the information to identify when you're fertile. And then it's up to you to decide what you want to do on those fertile days of your cycle. So this is incredibly useful for people who are trying to conceive because they're able to very accurately pinpoint the most fertile days of their cycle where they don't have to rely on um, outdated misinformation about we're always fertile this certain day of our cycle or ovulation always happens this specific day of the cycle. Um, There's a lot of cycle charting apps that people are using nowadays to help them identify days of fertility, but those are based on algorithms and predictions and assumptions and not on the body's daily fertility signs. So this practice really allows us to become the experts of our own signs of fertility and apply the guidelines to meet our goals. And then for those of us who are trying to avoid pregnancy, it's a safe, effective method of birth control. Um, Again, The method itself is not necessarily your birth control. It's what you choose to do on the days you've identified as potentially fertile that becomes your birth control. So you can abstain. You can have alternative forms of sex that don't involve PIV, penis and vagina penetration. Um, You can use condoms or other barriers depending on your comfort. So this really empowers the individual to truly take charge of their fertility and how they want to manage it based on their goals and their comfort. That's awesome. That's amazing. How long would you say it takes to get proficient at this? Like how long in your practice do you see it taking people to master some of these techniques? Mm -hmm. This is going to vary from individual to individual. A lot of it is going to depend on if someone is already regularly cycling or if they're having long irregular cycles and ovulatory cycles, it might take a little longer to get the hang of it. Um, There's a steep learning curve initially for most people. Your body is not doing anything different. Like your body's doing the same thing hormonally, giving you these signs of what's happening with the hormones every day. You're just learning to be aware of it and to interpret that data that your body's already giving you. 
So for some people, it's, it's, it's a quick transition. It just clicks. They get it. For other people, it takes a little longer, especially if you've been ignoring your fertility signs for years and years and years, and suddenly you're being invited to pay extra attention to them. So it's about, it's about creating new habits more than anything. Um, but typically what we say is that it takes about three months of charting, uh, three months of cycling to really have the hang of it and really be able to apply the rules for birth control. But some people are able to just hit the ground running. It clicks really quickly. Um, And some people, even after three months, might need a little bit more time to get the hang of it. Yeah. And I like that you said that because, you know, now being postpartum, I don't have a cycle yet. So it's really frustrating for me learning from you and trying to try not that's not frustrating the, the fact that I don't have a cycle. And I'm like, how do I know and, and looking at all these things? I, I like that you said that it can take a while. Um, and obviously, my situation is different. You know, postpartum moms are a little different. But I really like that you kind of said, okay, we may not get this. And I, I think that's why it's so powerful is that I think we all need to have this information about our bodies, we need to be empowered to know what to do with the information it's giving us and then we can you know make the determination about how we want to what we want to do with that information like you said but I think people having this awareness is huge and it's been so long since we have had that awareness I mean I went on birth control gosh hormonal birth control in my teens so you know well you know before I was 20 even and then it, it I was on it for so long so I just never got that skill I didn't really know that this even existed and I just think there's so many benefits from having, you know, a practice like this in place. Now, from working with you, I know um, that men and women are a little different, <laughs> which, uh, full disclosure, I did not really know this at, at all before I met you. Um, so I'd love for you to share with everyone, you know, some of what you've already taught me a little bit about how men and women are different with their hormones, with their energy. Some of that I thought was super eye-opening. Absolutely. It was very eye-opening for me when I learned this. Um, So I love sharing this information with others. Um, So essentially, men and people who are testosterone dominant, their energy levels, their hormone levels specifically, are following a solar pattern. So this lines up with their um, circadian rhythm. So it's this 24-hour reset. Um, So male-bodied people wake up in the morning and their testosterone levels are very high and they remain high for most of the uh, daylight hours. Um, They start to steadily decline in the late afternoon into the evening and hit a low in the evening and then through the night, the sleeping hours. And so when we think about how society is structured, at least like American society or Western society at large, it's really based on the productivity and the energy levels of people who are testosterone dominant. So we wake up in the morning, we hit the ground running, we get to work, we're super productive. You know, by the end of the day, we have a little bit of lull in energy. So people usually, you know, they become a little more social. Um, This is the time of day where we start, um, you know, going on dates or socializing with friends in the late afternoon, early evening. And then, you know, come evening, we're, we're resting, we're chilling, we're watching Netflix, whatever it is that we do to relax and unwind. We're not typically feeling very productive or energized at that time of day. So that really mimics what's happening with testosterone. When testosterone is high, people have a lot of energy. Um, When we look at what's happening in women or people who are estrogen dominant, we also have this 24-hour circadian rhythm, but our 
hormone levels follow um, what's being referred to as an infradian rhythm or a cycle that lasts longer than 28 days. Um, and a lot of this work is influenced by Alyssa Beatty and um, some others who talk about cycle syncing and have really brought this information to the forefront. Um, but for those of us who are estrogen dominant, our cycles are, are not a 24-hour reset done unless we're on hormonal birth control. They're more of a lunar cycle, so spread out over the course of several weeks, um, a month roughly, in which our energy levels, our productivity, how social we're feeling, how energized we're feeling, um, our libido, our metabolism, all of these things are linked to what's happening to our hormone levels throughout the monthly cycle. And so as estrogen rises leading up to ovulation, people tend to feel more energized, more social, more radiant, more out there. I call this like the yes time of the cycle. We are very open and um, willing to say yes to things. Um, when we're progesterone dominant in the second phase of the cycle after ovulation, progesterone has this calming effect um, where we sometimes feel less energized, a little less motivated to be highly productive. And so through a cycle charting practice, you can track daily in real time what's happening with your hormones and can design your life in a way that you can take advantage of your hormonal strengths at each phase of your cycle. Um, and this is something that comes with privilege. Not everyone can design their life in this way, um, but there's little things that we can do. And I speak with my clients about this all the time to really honor the cyclical nature in our bodies and step back from this needing to be productive in this specific way in these specific hours every day of the week. Um, but really tuning into what it is um, and our unique cycling bodies that we need throughout the month to really thrive and be our best selves. Yeah. Do you work with a lot of couples or are you mainly working with vulva owners or who are your, your clients? Yeah. I'm mainly working with people with vulvas. Um, I'm actually cross certifying currently to teach the Billings ovulation method, which is a cervical mucus only method. And the focus there is much more on working with the couple and I, I like both. I think there's this piece of the person who's cycling, the person with the vulva, like this is, this is their practice. It's their thing. It's their body and they can use it however they see fit. But as far as using it as a method for birth control with a partner, I think it is really profound when it can be collaborative. And so there are ways to get partners involved in the practice, taking responsibility for it as well. So that um, there's that joint, mutual responsibility and something that's serving both members and in that partnership. Right. And immediately my mind goes to how empowering that would be for the individual that's cycling, but also for the couple, for the partnership. And just in general, I think we have such a, a shame about our pelvic health, about our periods in menstruation. I feel like instead of 
shaming this area and saying, oh, or even um, like demonizing it, you know, like, oh, she's on her period. She's going to be in a bad mood. I mean, that's pretty much the only cyclical thing we kind of hear about. So if we know, oh, right, this is my week that I want to have dinner parties, granted pre-COVID, you know, but when we get back to normalcy, you know, but to even have a partner kind of understand this is a week I just want to watch movies and veg and I'm even going to take my workouts a little easier. I'm going to just need a little more me time so if you can take over for the kids a little bit more that would help me I mean I just think there's so much positive that can come out of both people in the partnership knowing about these you know changes in this kind of cycle that's yeah absolutely yeah my partner and I we talk about these things all the time and um we Yes, he's very aware of where I am in my cycle. I have different ways of communicating that and making that knowledge available to him so that he can be proactive as well. But it really enhances communication and the partnership, both when you have this self-awareness to understand rather than it being what's wrong with me, I'm, I'm changing my mind or I'm very irritable right now. Like, I don't want to be around you. What is it? Oftentimes it's simply like, oh, here's where I am in my cycle. This makes complete sense. I'm supposed to feel this way. I'm supposed to want to be. And, and when I say supposed, everyone has their, their, their own specific needs in each phase of the cycle. So it's not a one size fits all approach. I guess I'm speaking more from my own personal experience of that validation of, oh, here is where I am. Yeah. And when I can communicate that proactively to my partner, my partner can better show up for me. Um, and I can better show up for myself in meeting my own needs and communicating those in an effective way. Yeah. Um, so, so many benefits to the partnership and not, and for people who aren't partnered, there's the self-awareness piece of um, being better able to meet your own needs by having this other lens to which you're making decisions and planning your life. Um, but also being able to share this information with you know, coworkers, friends, roommates, other people who you're in relationship with, um, to the extent to which you're comfortable sharing this, yeah. um, because we're not these static beings. We, we don't have the same needs every day. We're constantly ebbing and flowing and changing. It's this rhythmic dance we're taking through life. Um, and it's, it's begging to be seen, begging to be witnessed, begging to be taken care of. And it's, it's such a cool thing when we, when we start paying attention. Yes. I think, you know, it gets down to even that need for control, right? So, I mean, when I was on birth control for so long, I have to say it was nice because I could schedule and I knew if I had a trip coming up, oop, I'd just take a couple extra pills and skip my period that month and not have to worry about tampons on a, at the beach, you know, and it was so convenient, but it really, it boiled down to having this level of control that I don't think we normally have. And so, Knowing, you know, what I know now, not wanting to go back onto hormonal contraception. And I just think it's amazing to be able to have that kind of window into our bodies and that understanding within that we can use, you know, however we choose to use it, but just to even have that feeling of, oh, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And this may be one reason why. So it's going to pass. It can give me control even in a moment when I'm having some mental like, oh my gosh, everyone is annoying me. What's going on? You know? <laughs> Absolutely. No. And you've spoken to, you know, it's, it's a valid choice for some people to want to take hormonal birth control. I shared that it, it, 
it wasn't a good fit for me. And I'm grateful it wasn't because it led me to where I am now, both personally and professionally. Um, but it's a valid choice for some people, especially people who really want that control or who have jobs or lives in which this, uh, cycle sinking that we're talking about just doesn't seem accessible to them. But for those who want this option and are curious to explore this and are curious to, to design their life in a way that this fits in to their lifestyle, that they have this space to cycle without synthetic hormones, um, there's, um, if, if you only had the information that you were taught in middle school health education class and were trying to go through life without the control of hormonal birth control, it would be very challenging. But having access to this deeper knowledge and understanding, um, we refer to this as body literacy collectively. Yeah. So, so empowering someone with the information to understand how their body is actually working so they can make informed decisions around their health care and their reproductive health choices. And so through this body literacy practice, you are centered as the expert of your own body, which gives you in some ways a lot more control than you ever have on hormonal birth control where synthetic hormones are um, yeah, are, are taking over and, and not even necessarily taking over and that you're not, you're not cycling anymore. These synthetic hormones function by cutting off communication between the brain and the ovaries. And so it's, it's typically this, it's this communication between the brain and the ovaries sending key hormones back and forth to one another that creates the cycle. So hormonal birth control disrupts that communication so that there's no longer a cycle and you function more on that 24 our solar rhythm that um, men and testosterone dominant people experience. I get so excited about this. Like, and I'm just thinking as you're talking of a world where all women know this. And so even if, you know, a mom doesn't feel like she can teach it to her own daughter, she can, you know, she talks to you, you can teach it to the mom, you can teach it to the kids, but just, we have this world where we don't have the shame around our periods and our menstruation. We don't have the shame around our pelvic health and we have this understanding of our body and this awareness and this power, just, it, we are empowered in our bodies, I guess is how I could say it. And I just, uh, I love talking with you, Whitney. I, I wish everyone could get this information like yesterday, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so what is what is one thing that we can all start doing today? And by we, I mean people with bowls. Yeah. So the first thing is we can start being aware of the sensation that we feel at our vulva as we go about our daily activities. So this is the first step for developing an awareness of what's happening with our cervical mucus secretions. Um, this information alone is not going to give you everything you need to know to effectively use this for birth control, but it's a first step. If you're someone saying, huh, I don't even know that I make cervical mucus or yeah, there's something I see in my underwear every day, but I don't know what it is. Some people might think it's yeast or an, you know, an infection. Um, and so maybe it's something that you've never really explored on a deep level or viewed as uh, an important an important indicator of your hormonal health. And so just simply tuning into that um, and how that feels at the vulva as you go about your daily activities. So just like when you get a bleed, you feel that, you have a sensation of wetness, you're like, oh, 
there's a bleed. I started my period. Um, we can similarly feel sensation at the vulva when other um, secretions are present, mucus specifically. And so just tuning into that and noticing how it changes um, is the foundation of a fertility awareness uh, method practice. And then, of course, you'll want to add on all the fertility signs and, and protocols and techniques if you want to apply this to avoid or achieve pregnancy effectively. But that would be the first step, just noticing what's already there. Oh, that's great. And it sounds easy, but it is not. <laughs> In my opinion. I'm still well, yeah. You're your postpartum yeah. and and breastfeeding and that's that's honestly the most challenging time to learn a fertility awareness based method. So like you were just saying about how incredible it would be for more young people to have access to this information is that yeah. this information really serves us throughout our entire reproductive lifespan. And so you can jump in at any phase. You can jump in, you know, as a young person just starting to menstruate. You can jump in, you know, in a time in your life, you're trying to avoid pregnancy or when you're trying to achieve pregnancy, or you can jump in when postpartum, or you can jump in in the perimenopausal years when you're nearing menopause. So it's never too early or too late to develop this awareness and start charting. But there are phases where it's harder to learn than others. And so if we really kind of adopted this as this, um, this crucial thing to learn about our health. And if young people were taught this and we were empowered with this education from the get-go, then we wouldn't find ourselves in positions where we're trying to learn to chart our cycles in times where it's most challenging. Right, right. And I can imagine to younger girls, it, if they know when they ovulate, then they, you know, it's a little more predictable about when their period would come. That would be huge, you know, so you don't start when, you know, you're in gym class or and you don't even have anything with you to, to use for your menstruation. So, yeah, I can totally see this could benefit any and every age. Absolutely. And there's that misconception. Um, you'll hear, hear people use the language of my period's late, my period's late. Um, and so but one thing that we become aware of in this practice is that when we're identifying ovulation, when we can pinpoint ovulation we know when to expect menstruation. And so that gets a little complicated. I won't like dive into all the terminology, but essentially it's not periods that come late. It's ovulation that's been delayed for some reason due to stress usually. Yeah. So there's a lot of variability in the first phase of our cycle leading up to ovulation. Whereas the second phase of the cycle post ovulation until we get our menstrual bleed um, is, is less variable. And so when we know how long that second phase of our cycle is through a cycle charting practice, when we ovulate, we can do the math and say, here's when to expect my bleed. So if a bleed doesn't come that day, we, we know something's up. Yes. Okay. Excellent. This is so incredible. I cannot thank you enough. I would love for you to share how people can work with you. How can they learn more from you or follow you and all that you're doing? Yeah, great. Thank you. So I am online. I have a website, WhitneyMileyPrice.com, just my full name. I'm on Instagram, the same name, at WhitneyMileyPrice. Those are the two biggest ways to find me, or someone can email me. My email is also WhitneyMileyPrice at gmail.com. I'm currently doing a lot of virtual one-to-one -one consults, well, all virtual currently, but hope to get back to one-on-ones um, when it's safe to do so in the Atlanta area. 
Um, I also teach group classes. I'm working on some self-paced courses that I hope to release by the end of the year. Labor of love. Um, So those are the way to Those are the ways to find me. And I want to mention earlier when we were talking about the use cases of the method, I I mentioned using it for reproductive health, so avoiding or achieving pregnancy. But I just want to make sure to emphasize that these practices are so much more than just do I want to get pregnant or do I want to avoid pregnancy? There's also the piece that it gives us about what's happening with our hormones every day. Um, hormonal health, the cycle sinking, which I talked about. So even for people who aren't partnered or who are in partnerships where pregnancy risk isn't a concern, there's still so many benefits to these practices. Excellent. Well, I cannot thank you enough. It, it has been really awesome to have you on. And I can't wait to share this with everyone. Thank you so much for your time and for all that you're doing. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's really a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and that you learned something. Just a reminder, this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice or instruction. Please, no action should be taken solely on the contents of this podcast. Please consult with your physician or qualified health professional on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast. The information provided is believed to be accurate based on the most current research and best judgment of myself and the other speakers. However, as the listener, you must be responsible for consulting with your own medical or health professional on any matters raised within. Thank you so much.